Welcome to the Love of Dirt podcast. I'm Nikki and I'm your host. And today I'm going to be speaking to Sarah from Basil Lee Living Herbs. In today's chat with Sarah, we talk about how she got started into her herb loving journey, as well as we deep dive into some of her favorite herbs to grow and eat. I hope you enjoy. Today we've got Sarah um, joining us. Um, Sarah is a culinary herb educator and a second generation herb farmer from Basil Lee. Is that how you say it? Living Herbs? Yes. Service um, <laughs> in the Greater Brisbane area with the fresh spray free herbs. Welcome, Sarah. I'm so glad to have a chat with you finally. I always come, come to your open days and I'm like, you're always so busy. I never actually get a chance to stop you and chat. <laughs> Oh, well, please do. Please do. Because, yes, I see you within. You're kind of like, where's this? And I'll direct you. And, yeah, you know where you're going. You know what it looks like as well, which helps always. That's, I guess, probably why I'm um, always, you know, accompanied by somebody from, yeah, doing that educator bit where I'm showing people what it is that something has told them about or that they've been told that they have to have all of that wonderful thing because there's just so many herbs out there amazing yeah so I'd love to know a bit about your story how you got started okay. in this journey um I was just when I first came to your farm I was just blown away that you were doing this on it wasn't like a huge farm and it was like oh my god you're doing this kind of in your backyard like it's obviously a bit bigger than an average size backyard but I'd love to know the the story behind how did you get going with this um, so my mum originally owned Basilee on the other side of Burf and Gary, on the other side of the tracks, and um, she had a two-acre property, which was huge for me because we made a tree change from Victoria, um, and we had like I grew up in a suburban block in sort of very very urban area, um, and we moved out. Mum had this land, and I just fell in love with all the different things that you're growing and. Um, you know, really, really intensely loved the lifestyle that we had on the farm. Um, that, you know, after I, I was working in the farm constantly doing different things, as soon as I got my driver's license, I was doing deliveries and markets and selling to Jam Powers Farmers Market and just, you know, building up knowledge and love of, of how to grow herbs um, and how I was using them. Um, and then it was sort of, you know, I got married and we bought a property and I sort of always thought to myself well it's better to be big enough to be able to grow in not knowing exactly you know when or how I would be growing but um, when my mother um, saw the need to retire I saw the opportunity to kind of take what she had at her farm of you know been growing on on that two acres she grew on about an acre of that um, land and I took what I could to put it on my property and I've I have got a larger suburban block I've got a three-quarter acre block yeah it's actually one of the smaller ones in my in that area, area. <laughs> um, and um yeah we sort of you know when my husband and I lived in Kedron um uh back in you know 2008 we we always wanted a property where we could just drive our car down the back yeah so for this property we could drive our car down the back when I thought, you know, if we've got the car down the back, I'm like, I can hide a farm down the back there. <laughs> so when mum, um, yeah, wanted to retire and I thought that I was done with my baby making, yep. um, I went, yeah, I'm going to have the farm. I'm going to move the farm behind the shed 
and I'm going to grow and I'm going to, you know, share that love because what I really, really loved was the market experience when I could deliver the herbs and people would be in shop and I, they would ask me, oh, what's this? Oh, you smell fantastic. And I would be able to start talking to them about the love of how fantastic herbs are um, and also at the market and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I just loved it and been finding ways to keep doing it. <laughs> so did you grow up like on the farm or were you in Melbourne? I was in I didn't grow up on a farm as such. So we moved here in 2000 to um to Burton Gary from from Melbourne. Yeah. And I had had a very urban um upbringing. Yeah. Um and I went to an all girls school so when I was 14 I moved which was very, very, like, intense time in a young <laughs> yeah. couple. It's the worst time you've moved ever. <laughs> Terribly to be uprooted um, and to go to, you know, a different state. Mm. Um, and I have four brothers. So my, my upbringing was, you know, quite unlike, I guess, many other, um, my other females. Um, in the respect that there was very much, you know, that bit of a man box kind of thing where I was expected to be very feminine, yet it wasn't. I was happier outside, getting yeah. dirty. But then still, you know, wanted to cook and wanted to sew and all that kind of stuff. I was just all that holistic kind yeah. of thing. Um, but the main change for me was just before I actually um, moved to um, Brisbane, um Gary, just out of prison, um, was I went to a school camp and the school camp was actually a really long camp. It was a whole term where you went out for the 10 weeks um, and you lived on a farm. Wow. So I kind of like had a, a, a crash course in what it was like to live in a, a rural setting. Mm -hmm. um, even though Bourbon Gary is quite, you know, the town and urbanised completely now. Um, that distance between people and I sort of had a bit of a, a, a roundup to that um, experience because um, the things that I learned there have done me very, you know, well in my understanding of nature yeah. um, and then the way now I grow and how um, I can use the benefits of all sorts of different areas wow. of nature. Um, and, yeah, I've, I've I really... Um, it's been 20 years since I was there now um, and it was actually an area that was under threat with the bushfires over... Um, Whereabouts uh, is that? Uh, so it's funny. just out of Malacuta Inlet. So Malacuta... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So that was the one that got... Mountain there. Yeah. So I actually felt ill um, while I was at Marshmead and another lady, um, another friend of mine... Um, uh, got bronchitis so we were actually um the place is actually meant to be quite hidden because you've got like 114 year old girls in a rural property so they tried mm -hmm. to be kept quite hidden um but we had to take a boat from um where we were all the way out to Malacuda to go mm -hmm. visit the doctor wow um and then of course when the families come and visit they sort of either choose Malacuda or the town that's north to have that weekend stay over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, being in those places and, and 
quite privileged to um, see the beauty of, of um, nature through the eyes of a 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I grew, I grew up in the bush, so I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I wouldn't – I hated it at the time. Oh, my God, I hated it. But now you sort of – you look back and you think, oh, wow, I had a pretty cool upbringing, like, growing up in the bush. So, yeah, and it, it's, it's interesting how that can kind of impact you later on, you know, 20, 20 years down the track. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that are very Melbourne about me um, <laughs> that um, – that still resonate um, yep. in like my perfectionist and, and sort of different little things that come from, from being, you know, 14 years in Borwin. Um, but the thing that resonates and I remember the most is that 10 week um, yeah. at Malakuta, <laughs> you know, just wow. out of Malakuta, <laughs> living on the land, cooking for myself, living yeah. with, you know, um, nine other girls in a house. It was yep. In a very big eye-opener and um, really cool that the school puts that on and have been doing so for now 30 odd years yeah cool. that's awesome okay well let's talk about herbs I know it's kind of like asking you what's your favorite child <laughs> which is your favorite child but what is your favorite yeah. herb to eat and grow <laughs> oh you can, you can I, tell me a few yeah it might seem it might seem a little boring to some um but the most rewarding um and plant that i've used the most is actually chai oh, and really? garlic chives yeah. in particular yeah yeah, yeah. it surprises yeah. some um <laughs> because chives is just so easy to use yeah and it grows so well um i'll have instances where because um, they're bunching and if you plant sort of one or if one gets self-planted somewhere in the garden and you come along and then it just turns into that little bunch and it's that little bunch of joy and go, oh, I can use that. Yeah. It, it keeps quite well um, and looks really attractive, Sarah said, in a shot glass kept on your kitchen windowsill <laughs> yeah. for when you need. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it keeps quite fresh there. You can... You can cut it off in its stems and just use it whenever you need. Um, but in butters, in cheese, we have a lot of cheesy kind of stuff in yeah. our household. Yeah. Um, our cheesy mac, so it's in there, in mac, um, in mash as well. Yeah. Um, but it's because I, I do have um, three young children, our meals aren't fancy and, mm. and go a lot of stuff in there. So <laughs> I'm there, I'm there fancy. with you. <laughs> So I make them fancy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like I, I, my children eat well, um, but they're having like last night we went to a barbecue and they're having a token leaf of salad because they really they you know they don't like lettuce at all. They'll have spinach. They're fine with things that yeah, are cooked. They don't. <laughs> Yeah, my daughter's the, um, the Brazilian spinach. And she's funny. She'll go around and she'll, because I've got herbs all over the place, and she'll just start eating the herbs from the garden, put it on a plate, and it's a different story. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that wasn't my choice. Yeah. <laughs> that green thing. I put that on I'm, your plate last night. You didn't touch it. You said, yuck. <laughs> you are just devouring straight from the garden. Well, with with my children in general, like all through their life, they've accepted food from other people more than they have from me, and I think that's just a just a thing because 
yeah. maybe it was that medicine that I tried to get down there <laughs> too early and it's you know scarred them for life yeah um but be, with the kids being involved in their food so um very early on I actually had them going outside and picking the yeah. warrigal greens which we called whole spinach yeah and I had them going out there and picking and I'm telling them what they are so the chives are the long skinny ones up yeah. there and I'm you know letting them know oh I need the rosemary the rosemary is the one that we do you know the stripping of and we play swords with yeah because we've got long those long <laughs> stems of, of rosemary and <laughs> when you you know you're bashing them around they're not too bad and they smell nice yeah. so <laughs> you know little things like that getting them involved in what they can do with with the herbs just not eating them kind of thing um, means that I can put rosemary in the honey crackles and they'll have that that taste of rosemary but not mm. complain about it yeah the um, uh, what else we put um, chamomile in their porridge oh really so um, with the chamomile we're making just a chamomile tea yeah. Um, and that's what I'm putting in. And I do a, a mix of um, the rolled oats and the quick oats yep. so that they've got a bit more sort of to break down. Yeah. Um, but then they're also got a consistency that they're going to want to yep. eat. Um, and then it does get piled in with a whole heap of sultanas. But we've got the rosemary, <laughs> the chamomile in there. We'll just play them back. Um, uh, but then they're children, so they need a lot of energy. They do need those sugars. Mm -hmm. So um, majority of our sugars do come from fruit and honey. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they, they do love the sweet. <laughs> so chamomile, chamomile just sort of gives them that calming bit to the, the morning and that rice to sort of wake up and, and sort of get going. And that works really well. They like that. So how do you put that in then? Do you like steep it? Or do you just chuck in the flowers? <laughs> no, well, I, I'm, I make a tea. So I'm steeping my yep. flowers separately beforehand mm -hmm. um, and using that liquid to make the porridge in. And I'm also adding in milk as well. Mm -hmm. I add a touch of, well, we, we only have at the moment the pink Himalayan salts. I've got a little salt bath that I, yep. you know, the salt goes in. Um, and... And yeah, make it with that with the oh, it's really nice. It's yeah. I would I would admit the you know whole heap of sultanas and put in honey or a brown sugar rather than yeah. the than all of the fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. So, what do you think um, would be the most like for people starting out? Because I know there's a lot of people who are new to growing food who listen to um, this podcast and are in my community, but what are the five sort of easiest can't kill herbs that you can have in your garden? Perennial basil is the number one. <laughs> I got hedges of that everywhere. <laughs> Everyone should have hedges of that everywhere. Um, it's great value. Like it, it is a perennial, so it keeps on going. Um, it can handle low light. It can handle um, heaps of sun and heat. Um, I'm, I'm having fairly good success through this rainy period that we've had where I haven't actually had any of it die off. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's just grown really quickly and thinly because it's sort of grown in the hot, wet, temper, um, uh, hot, wet weather. Yeah. And um, 
sort of collapsed when it's been really heavily rain and then grown up again when it's yeah. a warm, hot day. <laughs> and yeah. it's all, but it's flowering and looking amazing. Mm. And of course, that brings in the pollinators. So, in anybody's kitchen garden, whatever they're growing in a fruiting um, sense, so um, tomatoes and cucumbers, beans, anything like that, just brings in more bees. So, it's absolutely, you know, a really rewarding plant um, and easy plant to grow for everyone and should be in every garden. Um, secondly, rosemary. Um, rosemary is always fantastic. Really added, I think, because of my Italian heritage, we've got a lot of things that go with tomato and rosemary. Yep. Um, certainly lamb um, does really well. Um, and then it's really easy to um, or enjoy as a cut plant. No one, like in a vase, no yep. one really kind of sees it that way but I do because the the structure of the plant mm. looks so fantastic um it is a slow grower but we all of a sudden if you just sort of leave it there you'll come back to it in a couple of months and you'll find that oh my gosh it's you know tripled in size and you can you can start using it um uh and then of course I'm a brunette so I use it as a as a hair rinse as well oh what <laughs> what Chamomile would be for you, Nikki, yeah. with blonde hair, and yeah. that gives you that lovely lust and shine and a, and a nice cleanse as well yeah. to the hair. Um, and then with brunette, go the rosemary and the oils oh. of the rosemary. It's actually said because it does increase the blood flow, which is yeah. how it's sort of linked to memory, the smell with memory yeah. um, and increasing um, awareness kind of thing. Um, it's also said to regrow hair. Oh. Or be, you know, have the ability to regrow hair. But um, as my children, my three little ones grow into three very, very fast running around children, um, my hair's not getting any thicker. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice and glossy. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> not any thicker. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, chives. I reckon everyone should have chives in there because, yeah. you know, they're long and slender. So for all those people that go, oh, I haven't got, not got enough room, I've never got <laughs> no room, definitely chives um, to put in there because it is so versatile with butter and cheese and eggs and um, just yeah. really easy to add and, and a good garnish as well to be able to, yeah. um, in salads, to add that bit of oniony thing but not yeah. have to use have onion. Yeah. Has anyone had a salad where someone puts an onion piece in that's so yeah, really uh, chunky yeah. that they feel a bit wayward? You can do that with chives too easy um, and get all the, the, the benefits from from the yeah. chives that way. And it is, um, it is super resilient because um, I stopped watering a lot of my gardens over summer and I lost a lot. Of, I thought I had lost a lot of garlic chives. <laughs> and then as soon as the rain out it came again it's like wow <laughs> okay I'll keep you there and that's, <laughs> and that's because of the way it grows so it's you know main root ball is down there under the ground and it will take down its stems as it sort of can't afford to keep those ones going it's not they're really smart plants they really are <laughs> yeah they are um and they they you know they can just segregate themselves in they um, even with a bush, it will start to crimple on the egg because it's taking its nutrients into its, you know, root base where its main energy is. Um, and then when conditions are good again, they all come back to life. life yeah. So, you know, 
herbs are fantastic for that pure factors that they want to grow for us and they want you know us to provide those perfect conditions for them and there are you know perennial herbs they're happy just to continue for us to cut they do better with us cutting them back mm. and allowing them to regrow um and that for me you know yeah. what value in a plant that wants you to cut them back and eat and gives you all of this beautiful nutrition and, and benefits to your life yeah okay what else what else is easy <laughs> giving us Palsy basil is the easiest so um in Which regards to basil sorry beg your pardon tulsi basil is that what you said yeah, the Tulsi basil, the yeah. Tulsi basil, the holy Tulsi basil. There's three varieties of Tulsi basil. Yeah. Four things up, but there's three varieties. <laughs> One which is the Krishna variety, um, which is a red leaf, red stem, um, small leaf, and the tiniest of basil flowers, really, really tiny, um, vibrant um, purple flower. Um, and it's got fairly basil anesthetic kind of thing to it and it is the ones that the krishna um, religion really sort of um worship um very intensely within their family home they must have a plant mm -hmm. um it's not generally used to you know make a pesto out of um but it is used to make a tea uh, now the other is the varna um, now that one is a big green sort of growing one that used in the commercial making of the Tulsi tea. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last one, which is the Holy Tulsi, which is my favourite, um, a smaller growing green basil with a lilac, small lilac flower. It's got a really sort of pop puree, yeah. sweet basil smell to it. And that, the tea, is just to die for. Mm -hmm. I use that as... Um, I've used that since I was 16 as an anxiety sort of yeah. reliever tea. Um, also as a cleanser for my skin because yeah. basils are all antimicrobial um, and anti-inflammatory. So when you've got like a blemish there and it's all yeah. red, that helps keep that calm <laughs> um, as well. As you calm for having to go out yeah. of school looking like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> work same in business, yep. <laughs> business um so um and the wonderful thing is so it's like a perennial you can have it the more you cut it back the longer it will will go um and unlike the other perennial basils where they don't produce seed and you do need to propagate them by cutting yeah the tulsi holy basil produces seeds and self-seeds like nothing else I have known on this planet. Um, we have a large gravel driveway that goes all the way down to the farm and I'll have Tulsi basil just popping up in this <laughs> gravel. And I'm like, how are you like doing this? But it just, it takes from the nutrients, it takes all the nutrients. It, it's obviously able to um, use any bits of nutrients in there to be able to develop plant and continue to grow wow. um so to me it just says it's just full of so much good stuff um yeah. that it's been able to to produce um all of this wonderful thing so and it's just so pleasant tasting tea 
It yeah. is such a pleasant tasting tea. Um, certainly, I'm a tea drinker over a coffee drinker. Um, but there are some really wacky teas out there yeah. that people produce commercially that just taste terrible. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I just... <laughs> I, bought um, I don't know anybody one. else. Yeah, I bought a lemongrass one from someone. It might have been... No, I won't name the name of the company. <laughs> but it was a big commercial brand. And I I had some and I'm like, oh, what is this? Like, this doesn't taste like lemongrass. It, and I looked on the packet then. I should have looked on it before I bought it. And it had flavours. I'm like, why do you need to add flavours on top of the lemongrass? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, what are you doing to me? It was just like in your throat. It's like, I, I wonder if people actually think that this is how it's supposed to taste now. Because it was just so yeah. overprocessed, you didn't need it. <laughs> we have, we've got a severe overprocessing need. And I think it is drawn, um, you know, by the need to have it lasting for longer. Mm. You know, that shelf life. If we yeah. can have that last for longer, then we'll be able to make our money back yeah. from producing it. Um, I see that a lot in... Mm. Um, the way people come to me for medicine, like for plants, when they've got a box that's got, you know, a whole heap of processed plants in there, giving them, you know, a, a therapeutic promise. Yeah. Um, and they want to go and buy the plants for those. Yeah. Um, and it's not, yeah, there are, it's kind of like, well, if you want that property of anti-inflammatory, here, have some turmeric. You can grow some, grow some turmeric and, you know, use that yeah. without any process in it. Um, but, you know, our herbs, our plants are so beneficial for us and there is a commercial viability in being able to process that goodness yeah. to put it into a shelf-lasting lasting product, um, which I don't think was meant to really be the <laughs> intention of them all yeah, because we cook of- with them and we can make those teas and um, certainly the extracts that... Um, you know, herbalist use, we're using, you know, alcohol and um, cold pressing or things like that, uh, your one-stage process kind of thing, uh, the drying or, or, you know, the cooking of, yeah. of something, um, that one process, which is one of those things that I learned from marsh meat was the more you process something, the more you dwindle it, yeah. you know, you validity, but, you know, higher goes up these opportunities over here that become commercial viability. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. So we, we only really process stuff to last it, last us through the, until the next season of growing. So like I know for us in the subtropics, sweet basil can kind of grow most of the year, but it doesn't do as well as right now. So we get our big harvest and then we do our pesto and then we dehydrate some just for easy access and cooking, like just that flavour burst. But how long do you think in terms of if you're dehydrating um, herbs, how, what kind of shelf life do you think that it's best to keep to? Is it just that season when they're due for the next or? It will depend on how you store it, yeah. to be honest the most airtight um you don't want it to go stale with yeah. with air you don't want bacterial um, growth in there they're to me the most important thing mm. so if you're able to dehydrate your herbs down with no moisture you're keeping them you know in an old spice jar away from sunlight that kind yeah. of thing 
um, you know, your house isn't always humid and, and that kind of thing, you're going to get more out of them. Yeah. When you dehydrate herbs down, um, they a year, you know, you can have a year, but then over the time of opening up that jar, you'll be able to smell it. Yeah. And I personally, that once you can't smell it anymore, it's pretty much gone. Yeah. So yeah, it's <laughs> Um, and you know, if you're waiting for the next year, we are very fortunate being in the sort of a subtropic temperature, a temperate area that it's not much more than six months before you're able to sort of start again anyway. So you should, you really, um, you really should have chooks and feed the rest of the chooks (laughs) (laughs) and then start fresh again and go through that cycle. Um, you mentioned about basil and yeah, you can have basil going through all year and certainly that is um, what we want in the fact that I get so many people really happy, you know, I've had basil going all year round, um, particularly when I'm, you know, trying to explain an annual plant in yeah. one season, not one year and they're like, oh, I've had it all one year round, I've kept it going. Yeah. Um, and I go, well, that's fantastic. That's really good. Um just, you know, if you let it go at cycle and let it flower, then it would produce you seeds and then you can keep those seeds and it would produce another plant with like heaps of fresh vigour mm. and um, excitement because that plant that, you know, is um, really old, it's got really thick stem, yeah. its veins, you know, Does aren't really pushing that good. food <laughs> up there. The le- like, you know, the leather leaves, all of that kind of stuff. It's like... Yeah. Um, and actually it brings me to tarragon. So we've got French yeah. tarragon, which is on all of those recipes and everyone's asking mm-hmm. for French tarragon. However, in our sort of subtropical climate with humidity it just and the heat, mm. it just doesn't grow very well here. Um, so we have the alternative of the winter tarragon, which, mm. you know, is absolutely a standout performer, another one of those plants that sells seeds and grows in driveways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was talking to um, uh, the beautiful Frances from um, Green Harvest yep. in that she agrees with me, even when you are trying to grow that plant and we use um, French tarragon as the example, and you do manage to grow it and you've got it in the shade and you're looking after it quite well, it doesn't have that same intense flavour mm. as if you were growing it in its ideal climate. Yeah. Because it isn't actually getting the light hours that it usually would. If in the northern hemisphere they have, both, you know, in their summer they'll have 18-hour summer days, but it's not getting to 40 degrees. Sort of only getting to, um, you know, not even mid 30s. What are they? They're lucky to get the days <laughs> over there, aren't they? Gosh, it's a heat wave when it gets to 27, yeah. I think, over there. Um, so their summers are quite different. And therefore that plant is getting that sun and it's doing that beautiful photosynthesis change with the sun for a lot longer and therefore being able to produce all of those good smells and oils and things that we love and cherish in our cooking. So without that, you can can kind of grow tarragon all lovely and and protected here, but you won't get that real intense flavour and you are better off going with the alternative in your area that just has an amazing boast of flower mm. uh, flavor and won't you know send you going back crazy trying to yeah. keep it alive in, in, in 
a good reason why a lot of people just give up gardening newbies in particular. They think, oh yeah, I can just grow what's in the shops and they'll just go and get it, put it in because they sell it at Bunnings. Like, let's be real. Um, I've seen like snow peas out there in, in summer and it's like, what? <laughs> so, you know, people go and buy these things because they're there, they plant them, they die and then they go, oh, I'm, I'm crap at gardening. I'm not going to, you know, I just wasted all this money. Why would I continue on? It's cheaper for me to go to the shop. Yeah, I call it, um, I call it the $300 um, capsicum <laughs> syndrome. I spoke to one of the beautiful, because of course we've been in the area of Bevango for 20 years now and know the post office ladies quite well. And she no longer works there, but she was mentioning how they went and got the raised garden bed and they went and filled it with all this organic soil and they went and put sugar cane mulch down and they, you know, got the, the worm farm and they got all of this spent, spent, spent on all this stuff and then nothing grew except for one capsicum that oh, they didn't eat because it got, you know, attacked by a capsicum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it is that. And I think that what I can provide with the... Um, my Basilie open farm days is to come in and have a look and um, and to get that um, sort of, a, the, of advice, a bit of frank advice. I think I, yeah. I'd rather give most of the time than that. Oh yeah, go buy this product, that product. Yeah. It's like I get asked a lot, what is the best oil? And I go, oh, probably what you've got in your garden already. You could add a couple of things in there, but. Mm. Um, it, your soil that you've already got in the garden bed that's probably growing a mock orange or a quarter line or something, that will be lovely and rich and that's probably where you should start growing your herb rather than going out and buying a bag um, of fresh soil um, yeah. or all of this, you know, expected stuff. Um, I know you are a very strong advocate of the no-dig garden. And, and I just layering. use what I, yeah, what I have and that, that's usually... You know, the deep litter from my chicken run, any compost I've had, and I'll just go in from up the farm up the road and they sell $2 bags of horse poo and that's my no-dig garden and that's it. Um, but I, I, you know, when I first started out, and I'm coming, like I've grown up on a farm and, you know, that, that was my upbringing, but I went out and I bought that landscape garden veggie mix and it failed. I'm like, what is going on here? So I, I totally, I totally have been in both those situations. It's, yeah, it's kind of using what you've got access to um, because you don't want that, it to be an expensive hobby. You want it to actually pay for itself. Uh, and I guess what Marsh me gave me was that realisation that Earth only needs itself. Mm. It doesn't need, you know, that product that's sitting on those huge shelves in that big green place. It, yeah. it doesn't need those things that actually needs environment needs itself in a you know a not pristine but you know or looked after um yeah. environment to just be able to replicate and use itself yeah. um our soil is you know um decayed leaves decayed matter and all of that kind of thing certainly when we are wanting a lot more out of our garden mm. when we're wanting our productive garden our kitchen garden to be full of those nutrients we then need to feed our soil and make sure that it is um, you know, there's food there for the plants to build on and, and to grow, um, yeah. which is a bit different to that mock orange hedge or <laughs> yeah. where, um, you know, it's using least amount of amount of energy. Yeah. Um, and that's when, yeah, there are very close by. A lot of people 
um, in our area that still have horses and adjust um, horses. So yes, there is that $2 bag of poo up the road. Um, at the farm here, I do provide sugarcane mulch. Yep. Um, that's the raw cut sugar cane mulch. I do prefer the unprocessed raw cut yeah. sugar mulch um, because it is um, a better product for allowing soils to breed and, and decay and, and that kind of thing. Um, they are they are available. All of those sort of raw materials, yeah. even if you're collecting your own eggs, collecting your own green waste within mm -hmm. um, your. And there are so many different ways you can compost, whether that be um, composting, you know, neatly yep. or fairly messily. <laughs> you know, you can, I have a big. I, I have to do it neatly, otherwise she'd be digging it up and rolling in it all the time. <laughs> Unfortunately, otherwise I'd be, just be having. But then, you know, we have those. Um, we have these people that won't grow particular plants because they um, they grow too much. Oh, that goes crazy in my garden. And I'm like, yeah, that's the cheapest mulch. That's yeah, like I know. I'd let mint go crazy in my garden. Everyone's like, in, you go into garden groups and like, don't let that out. It will spread. I'm like, but that's what you want. You want that sort of, you want that living I want mulch. mint. Than, yeah, absolutely. Mint more than haikuya grass going through, you know, a blue cooch. You know, you don't want that. <laughs> At least you can eat it. You can't, you can't eat grass. Well, you probably could if you processed it down a little bit. If we get desperate and it's almost getting to that point, isn't it? A little bit. <laughs> So, oh gosh, yes. yeah. desperate, I'm desperate point at the moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. I think I've taken up enough of your time this morning. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, if if you want to find Sarah, Sarah has an open day in Burpengary. Got a, a farm that you can go and visit once a month, and you also stop in a fair few. Um, stores around um brisbane mm -hmm. yeah they can, can see that. those stores on the website yep um, so the website's basillyelivingherbs.com um go check her yep. out go say hello on your facebook and instagram you're on instagram a fair bit so um thank you so much <laughs> for having a you're chat welcome. and um yeah i'll probably be down there on saturday I hope you enjoyed that chat with Sarah today. If you're a dirt lover, you can watch that full interview in the membership portal. Uh, we also dig, dig into a little bit more on what herbs you can have um, from a food production companion um, point of view. So until ne next time, I will speak to you later. Thanks for listening to the Love of Dirt podcast. If you love this episode, please leave a review to subscribe, check out other episodes or grab some of my free food growing resources. Head on over to loveofdirt.com.au forward slash podcast.